Okay, if you have your Bibles, go to Matthew 16, verse 13. And I'm going to, uh, I'll pick up from 13 to, uh, to 14, then I'll jump from 16 to 19 verses, that is, not chapter, staying 16. Pure revelation that shapes our lives. This is the subject that we're talking, well, it's not subject, this is where we're at. As a church, we've been talking now for three, this is our fourth week on it. That's it, Mel, just kick the furniture all over the place, no problem. <laughs> um, this is where we're at as a church. And uh, this, is, this is what's affecting our life and will affect our life if we allow it to. Amen. So when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea, that place called Philippi, yeah. He asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I am? The son of man? So they said, some, uh, sorry, so they said, John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon, by Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter on this rock. Now we're jumping on a verse. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Peter captures something that nobody else had captured. He captures a unique revelation of Jesus Christ. Up to this point, Peter had fellowship, walked, talked, gone through a lot of things with Jesus, heard a lot of things said about Jesus. But here, Peter captures something in his heart, deep down in his heart, that had never previously been revealed to him. You can walk with Jesus for years and years, thinking you know him, thinking you know about him, and then all of a sudden, one day, something drops into your heart that you never thought could never have thought, or you may have read a thousand times before, but on this particular day, truth and understanding come to you like you've never had before. Now, how many of us have witnessed that? Many of us. That's why we can never get familiar with the scriptures. Because the scripture, in these scriptures is life. And a verse that you read over and over and over and over again, there is much more to understand if we can get the revelation. We can read it and just try and get a mental understanding. But if we can get a spirit understanding, this, these verses can feed us, save us. They can guide our lives and guard our lives and govern our lives. Guide, guard and govern. That's what scripture does. And here Peter's getting a revelation that thou art the son. Thou art the living. Thou art the God. You are. You're, you, there's no other God but you. There's no other one who's living but you. There's no other son but you. What a revelation to have. Jesus is saying straight away, he recognizes that the words that Peter's using, he's not read in a book. Jesus recognizes his own father's words. Right? He recognizes his own father's words because it's the same voice that speaks to him and has been speaking to him. So when revelation comes, it must be of the same frequency, the same voice. 
That's how we know who's the one who's speaking. So when somebody else shares revelation and I'm considered or they're considering me as, a, as a, an equal spiritual person, I must be able to recognize the ping that's inside them. And they must recognize the ping that's inside me. That's how we know it's the word of the Lord to our midst. But very often, prophetic ministry, you're speaking it to people who have not been set up on the inside. So there's no ping. So word, it looks like the word gets wasted. Now we know word doesn't get wasted because the Bible says that his words never get wasted. But it gets wasted on you. And we cannot afford to keep on bringing the prophetic word to people who don't want it. Now, it's up to you. You decide whether you want it or not. It's not like I said, right, this side, you can't come anymore. That's not for me to say that. The Bible turns around and said, the wheats and the tares will be separated at the end of the age. Right? And it's our job is to, Timothy, my son, discharge all the duties. So his job is just to keep on speaking, teaching, laboring with what God's given him. And keep throwing the seeds out, and then the ground out there will determine what's good, what's bad. And that's the way it's always been, and that's the way it will always be. Amen? But yet, it wasn't only Peter that captured a revelation of this. Martha, in John eleven twenty seven. John eleven twenty seven. Martha captures a very, very, very similar revelation. And yet, the Bible doesn't make the, uh, the same, uh, it doesn't highlight it the same as what he did with Peter. Because with Peter, Peter was an apostle, or was going to be an apostle, and through men like Peter, he was going to be one of those men who could carry this word. But other people had the same revelation. But Peter's destiny was different from Martha's. Yes? And it says here in, in John eleven twenty seven, Yes, Lord, now Jesus has got, uh, Lazarus is, is dead. She's been nervous, she's been anxious, and all of a sudden there's been dialogue between her and Jesus, and then we pick it up, he says, yes, Lord, she told him. Jesus said, don't you believe me? Yes, Lord, she said, I believe that you are Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. That's a major revelation. You're the Christ, the Son of the the living God, the one who was to come. You can't get any clearer than that. That is a pure Pure revelation. So ladies, it's not only the men who can receive it. All the women can receive a revelation as well. So this revelation we see is not excluded. Martha was a lady who knew how to tap on the affections of Jesus' heart. And you know, women do that far better than men. Women know how to tap onto the affections of of Jesus' heart, you're more sensitive than we are. You know, we want Jesus to be an action hero figure. Where, for you, he's the lover. He's the Leonardo DiCaprio. He's the Titanic. He's the, whatever, you want, <laughs> whatever you imagine him. He's not what you imagine him to be. He is what he is. But what I'm saying is, men want a macho figure. Want Jesus to be macho. Arnie Schwarzenegger. Sylvester Stallone and any other guy you can think of. And Jesus is none of them. He is who he is. And he can only be what he is. Amen? And that's why many of us get disappointed because he won't play the game. 
You have, you have to have a revelation of who he is, not what you want him to be. Amen? So she had the revelation that Peter had. She had the affections. She knew how to draw on the affections of Jesus' heart. And what I like about Martha is that even though her son, uh, sorry, um, a brother, was Lazarus, was dead, right? What I like about this, in the first time we read about Martha, she's the one who was always busy. But when we read about Martha, the roles change. Martha's the one who comes and meets Jesus halfway. And there's a revelation that many of us need. We need to meet Jesus halfway. Before, when Jesus was still away off and outside the city, she went to meet him. Hey, we want Jesus to come to us. Jesus was, was only, he must have been about a mile away. But he, he spent another two days. Why? Because he kept saying, this is for the glory of God. The glory of God will be seen through this. But everyone's panicking because Lazarus is dead. And they want immediate attention. Wouldn't you want immediate attention? Of course you would. But Martha's got this something in her spirit that goes and meets Jesus halfway. And she says, you're the son. You're the Christ. You're the living God. You're the one who is to come. You know, what Jesus should turn around and say, well, Martha, case dismissed. Just go home. I'll turn up. When I turn up, if that's who I am, you know I can do this. You know I can do this. Yeah. Yeah, you can. See, whatever, when you get a revelation of Jesus Christ, you get an understanding of what he's capable of and what he can do. Do you not? Here's a revelation for the dream centers to grasp. Are you ready? The church and heaven's church is not built on the opinions of men. Even good men. It's not built on my opinion. It's not built by the opinions of good men. It's built on the fullness of the revelation of Jesus Christ. On the fullness. Not just part knowledge of Jesus Christ. The fullness of Jesus Christ. Everything that is accomplished. It's, it, the revelation is on the finished work of Christ. The fullness. Many of us need a revelation on what that word fullness means. It's not built on flesh and blood. Why? Because that would be human. It's not built on knowledge or theories or philosophies that come from mankind. It's built on the whole spirit of sonship and that the Father can connect directly with you. The spirit of sonship, by sons we cry, Abba, Father. And that Father sets his life inside of you. Do you understand that? So it's not on philosophies, opinions. It's on the fullness of the Father. And the fullness of the Father has been set inside Chris. He's been given everything for life. And God knows, he doesn't feel it, but it's true. Right? God knows how to get all that and put it right down and put it in his heart. So from that, he now becomes a son. Now, if that sonship can seriously begin to kick inside him, and he cry out a father, the desire for a son to call his father into play, that's what the church is built on.
It's built on the Father set in the sons and the sons connecting back to the Father. That is the revelation that we all need. So we need to become a son so that we can complete, so that heaven and the Father can be shaped inside us. We are the expression of heaven. We are the expression, the image, and the likeness of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost on the earth. God has no way of manifesting himself other than through you and creation. Creation speaks to him in more ways than it ever speaks to us. We marvel at creation, but we can't hear creation. We see creation. But God sees and hears creation because creation groans. What does it groan at? It waits for the sons of God to manifest. So, so creation, every time you look at creation, creation's looking at you saying, get ready. Sort yourself out. Upgrade. Why? Because we can't come to our full potential until you come to your full potential. Because it's man who caused creation to decay. So that's why creation now looks to man and says, look, you get your act together, we'll be okay. So sons, sons, when I say sons, man and woman together means sons. The sons have to get their acts together so that the revelation of the father can come deep in their hearts and the sonship we can cry, Abba, Father. Sonship doesn't cry because of what they know. Sonship cries based on the one they know. Yes? It's not what you know about God. It's the one. It's knowing God. Amen? So, so we see it's not built on the opinions of men, even good men. It's built on the fullness of the revelation of Christ. It's not built on flesh and blood, human knowledge, theory, or um, principles, sorry, uh, what did I say? Parallels of humankind. It's built on the whole spirit of sonship. And that sonship, those sons connecting with the father. Third, you cannot build on what your natural father has taught you. Spiritually, I'm talking about now. Naturally, you can build on what your natural fathers teach you. But spiritually, natural fathers don't mean anything unless they're spiritual. In other words, if my father is a, is a, is a Christian and he teaches me, yes. But we can't teach spiritual things by natural people. Spiritual dimensions have to be passed on by spiritual people. That's the point I'm getting at. So we can't, we don't draw from the natural, yeah? We build the Christian life according to what your heavenly father is done and he's doing in your life. Yeah? We build on what God has done and what God is doing. You see, I like to be around people where God is doing a work, not where God's just done a work. Many people get saved, no more work. But it's great to be around people where Christ is evident. You can see God's doing a work on them. That's what gives me common identity with a lot of people. Because I don't know about you, I'm not finished. I'm still incomplete. And I'm more concerned about those who think they're complete. Yeah? Yeah? The word to them is, the revelation to them is, you're not. You're flawed. The very concept of you thinking you're complete and you don't need to change is you're flawed. That's it, full stop. <laughs> Number four, church is not God's, church is not just God alone. Hear me? Church is not just God alone. 
but it's about the quality of his people. God in his people. It's not, see, it's so easy just to get so enthralled with God and not understand the power of his church. Understand the power of his body. Understand the power of transparency, relating with one another. You cannot just you and God. It is he set you in a body. Scripture says that very clearly. So if he set you in, you've got to learn to relate with that. Because that body's going to mess you up. It will mess you up. Why? When I say mess up, it mess up in a positive way. It reveal what's not there. So God deliberately puts you in a body because he knows the family you need. <laughs> I love that about God. God sets, that's why it's God in Acts 17, Phil read it to us only on Thursday. It's God who decides when we, where we would live, where we would live, and who we would live with. It's God. God knows the family. He knows the family you need. Amen? He knows the family. So, how many of you know what an evangelical is? And yet it's a word... Stay with me now. Stay with me now. And evangelically, someone who believes in a series of fundamental beliefs. Okay? That they hold as a Christian regarding doctrine. Okay? Regarding doctrine. They consider what they believe as being pure and safe. Okay? You think, why is he telling us this? Well, if you stay with me, you'll find out. Don't switch off at this point. It's these fundamentals that when you agree and uphold makes a person an evangelical believer. So if I'm, not, if I'm going to be a Buddhist, and Chris is going to be a Buddhist, Phil's going to be an, um, a Muslim, I'm going to be a Christian. He's got his set of beliefs. He's got his set of beliefs. Now, you know, the way the religion works, we may cross over some similarities, but yet we're distinct. Okay? And because we might see something, we might slightly cross over on one does not mean we're together. You understand that, don't you? Because their source is different from mine. I believe in 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, all scripture is God-breathed. All scripture. Some of these guys don't believe in my scripture. They don't believe that in my saviour. We might all believe in a God, but we don't all believe in his son. And there's the issue. Right? So now, I have to step away because I realise they're not the same. There's differences. We're not better. They're just wrong. <laughs> According to scripture, they're wrong. Okay? That sounds arrogant, but, it's, but that's it. It's true. Not all paths don't lead to heaven. All roads lead to hell. There's only one path that leads to heaven. Okay? So, that, now that gets us in trouble. Those Christians are arrogant. I just say, he said it, not me. <laughs> Hide behind the truth. But that's the, that is the truth. He said it, I believe it, that settles it. Oh, you are arrogant, you Christians. No, we're just sure. We're just sure. So, you, you can have an evangelical, listen... So we've just described that an evangelical is the one who, sets, who believes a certain set of doctrine. Okay? Now, this is why you've got to stay with me. 
because we can have an evangelical Baptist. We can have an evangelical Methodist. We can have an evangelical Presbyterian. We can have an evangelical Pentecostal. We can have an evangelical Charismatic. Why? Because we agree to the basics of our doctrine. Okay? Do you understand that? You're sure? You okay with that? So you're an evangelical. You understand that? You're, you are an evangelical. Well, I'm a charismatic. Am I polematic? Am I problematic? You're an evangelical. Remember what I said to you? We're progressive. That's what we are. Someone says, what are you? I'm an evangelical. I'm a progressive evangelical. Right? Why? Because there are some things I cannot negotiate. There are some things I cannot compromise. These are what make me a Christian. Right. You sure you're okay with that? Okay. The difference between somebody now who wants a little bit more. Do you understand what I mean? If someone now wants a bit more of the Holy Ghost, someone wants a little bit more of the apostolic, the prophetic. If you're, an, if you're a Methodist, an evangelical Methodist, and you want a bit more than that, the difference is between me and them is revelation. We share a similar doctrine on the fundamentals, but now our progressive revelation is different. Do you understand that? So we have doctrine, but now I need revelation to keep my journey going. I have a destiny. Most people don't even realize they've got a a destiny. See, most people are trying to talk to you about destiny, and they haven't even set the identity. You need an identity before you can pursue destiny. You really do. Identity comes before ID. ID. Identity, destiny. Okay? Not destiny, identity. It's identity, then destiny. ID. You got that? So now I need more revelation. I want to know what the Father's saying, not what he said. What he said is our fundamental beliefs. But now what he's saying needs revelation. Does that make sense? So now I need a journey. So I may have to leave Methodism. I may have to leave Presbyterianism. I may have to leave Pentecostalism because the Pentecostals stopped in the upper room. The Charismatics have stopped in church. So we need to move on to get further revelation. Is that true? So we understand that revelation now becomes the issue, not so much just doctrine on its own. Revelation of the doctrine. Revelation of the doctrine. I believe the Holy Ghost can heal. But let's just say David doesn't believe. Guess what? I love him as a brother, but we're not going to do much life together. Why? Because he doesn't believe. Every time I get up to pray for people, he gets offended. True? That's what happens in church. Every time you go into a church that's not charismatic and go into a charismatic church, you stand up, speak in tongues, lay hands on the sick, raise the dead, they will manifest. But we all say we believe the same doctrine. But their revelation of the doctrine is old. And it's dark age. I need revelation. I believe that Jesus Christ can raise the dead. I believe that greater is he that is in me than than he that is in the world. So I know my revelation now is going to force us apart. True? We're still believers. We still believe Jesus Christ is the same. Right? But we disagree on some things. So... Now, if I disagree on the fundamentals, none of us are right. Because they're the things that keep us, right? 
We can all be football supporters of the same team, but we have different agreements about what the manager's going around things. True? And, it, and we, we still love the same team, but we still differ on our opinions. Some say sack noise. I say keep him. I think he's doing a great job. <laughs> I think the Moisaya is doing really well. But they say, no, Lee, give him a bit more time, give him a bit more money. I say, give him all the money he wants, give him all the time he wants. Well, he's doing that. I think he's doing a fantastic job. As a city supporter, that is. See, many charismatic evangelicals become filled with the Holy Ghost. They capture, rev they capture the revelation of there's more. Yes? When I got saved, I attended a, um, what's the name of it? Brethren, sorry, thank you. A brethren church who did not believe in gifts at all. Did not believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. Everything was historic. So do we believe in the Holy Ghost? Yes, we do. But we now only believe as an historical Holy Ghost. So when I got filled with the Holy Ghost, I had a revelation that he's not just an historical Holy Ghost, he's a present Holy Ghost and he's a future Holy Ghost. So my revelation forced me to separate. I'm still an evangelical, but I want more revelation. They're going to heaven, I'm going to heaven. We need to establish that. They're, no, they're not second class. It's just that my heart's open for the progressive revelation. Does that make sense? That's why many of you are here. Because you ate at tables that didn't give you more. And then you drank in wells that was corrupted. And now you wanted more. And that's what the Holy Ghost has brought you to a place where there's more. Amen. Doesn't make us better, just different. So, Mary Charismatics became filled. That was me. Well, I, wasn't a I was an evangelical who became filled. And then people called me a charismatic. So people, for every stage, people put a name on you. Yeah? So it's now a charismatic or charismuppet, whichever one you want to call. Right? Now, what do you do if you're in a church where you've got cancer and you need healing, but you're in a church that doesn't believe in healing? You die. Or you're under the hospital to see what they can do. But what happens if there's a person in that church that has a revelation that Jesus can heal cancer? You'd be a fool not to let him, let her, let them pray for you. The only difference is they've got a revelation of a healer. They're no better than you. They've got a different revelation that Jesus Christ is the healer. You'll do everything in your power to move towards that. True? I would. I would. So revelations, so what we're saying now, revelation creates movement. It creates urgency. It creates desire. And it also sets me on a different path. So many Catholics come to charismatic meetings. Do you know why? They want the power, but they don't want the doctrine. They don't want the life. And uh, I forget the name, uh, uh, Maranatha. That's what they call themselves, Maranatha. They'd all jump in on a Saturday night, have the Holy Ghost showdown, and then all run back into the temple on the Sunday. So they want the power, but they don't want the word. It's like the child saying, I don't want to go to school, I just want to play in the swimming pool. You can't have the fun without the discipline. True? So these, charis these charismatic Catholics 
if there was such a thing, who just want to play with the Holy Ghost, enjoy its power, and then run back under an old system. Confused.com. That's what they're called. Confused.com. You have to come out to be established. The revelation is meaning to pull you out because it wants you to progress. He doesn't want you to stay in what's old. That's why the revelations come. Don't just know the gift, know the giver. Know his plan and purpose for your life. That's why he drew you to the Holy Ghost. Not so you could stay under an old regime. Amen? So, you have to, you can only capture a revelation depending if your heart is open to it. And God knows if your heart is open to it. Only God knows. You didn't know. So throughout time, revelation has consistently arose. Throughout time, revelation has ebbed and flowed. That's it. And some truth revolutionizes our life. Some truth just encourages our life. But nevertheless, revelation is needed. True? How many of you know that God started the New Testament church the way he wanted it, and now he wants it the way he started it? It's true. He started it the way he wanted it, and now he wants it the way he started it. That's going to take revelation to bring it back the way he started it. Because the way he started it and the way it is now has been messed up. And I'll explain to you why that is. It's been messed up. You see, in 1 John, the the disciples said, that which was from the beginning, that which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes and we have looked at and our own hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning what? Concerning what? The word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and we testify to it and we proclaim it to you. Eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. And we proclaim it to you of what we've seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Now, how many of you know that order's changed? The order's changed, not not scripturally, physically. The revelation's now with man. Fellowship's now with man. The origin now seems to be with man. The whole thing that the disciples pushed into, that the experience, they, their desire was so that you could come to where they were with the revelation they had. That was the whole point. They want you to be where they are. Can you see that? But now, because of systems, men have created a different way. Now, when the apostles and prophets passed into eternity. In other words, once their shift had finished, another regime took over. Okay? So the last apostle dies, and now there's no apostles on the earth, or so we think. There's still godly men, but the, the disciples and apostles that we read of are gone. Right? So what happens is there's an opportunity for a system to take over. And replace the church. Yeah? So the power of the Holy Ghost was now subdued, snuffed out, and told he was no longer in charge. Or so they thought. Yeah? The interest of the church would now be controlled and governed 
by the interest of men and the opinions of men. The opinions now began to shape the church. The thoughts of men began to shape the church, not scripture. So the whole thing has now changed. Well, at one time we were feeding from the well himself. Now the system is now feeding the opinions of, from, now people are now feeding and drinking from the opinions and philosophies of men. Revelation has now taken a whole new turn. The church that became the early force was known as the Holy Catholic Church. This was the church that took the system. Read your history. The Catholic Church, the Church of Rome. You only ever read of the Church of Rome. You never read the church in Manchester. You never read of the church in Sheffield. Why? Because the Pope controlled everything. So now, Revelation is locked up in a a system called the Catholic Church. I'm not attacking Catholics individual. I'm giving you history. Okay? We're talking about the system, not the people. Is that okay? Which it confused and contaminated people. Now the people couldn't get clean doctrine. Now it was contaminated based on what the opinions and philosophies taught in that day. Scripture was never taught. Philosophy was. Philosophy was, the, was the, the, the gospel of the day. The Catholics still taught philosophy. They don't taught doctrine. Why? Because the people still don't know it. Because it's been kept from the people. So the people need a revelation of Jesus Christ. Not of the Blessed Mother. There is no queen in heaven. There's only one darling, and he's called Christ Jesus. Yeah? Now... They loved, they replaced the word of God, the patterns, Jesus Christ and his testimony with rituals, ceremonies, pomp and popes. Yeah? The the Catholic Church honoured the concept of the saints but didn't live the word or honour the word that they once taught and carried. So even now, anyone who does a miracle is a saint. So all of us are saints. That's good because the Bible calls us saints. But see, the Catholic thinks you've got to do something. Wow, fantastic to be a saint. The Bible says he who believes in Jesus Christ is a saint. Now we've got to take you from saint to servant, from servant to soldier to soldier to sons. Right? We're going to complete the work of sainthood. Amen? But they just think a saint. So they've got people in the congregation, but they've got saints. And the saints are used to make money out of. They flog them, like the Chinese. The Chinese flog every god they've got. The Indians flog every god they've got. Why? They realize there's money in it. The Catholics flog the cross. Don't they? Christians flog fishes. Stickers. Everyone's found a way of marketing this thing. And yet still people don't have a revelation. A fridge magnet is not your revelation. A fish cannot be your revelation. A cross around your neck is not your revelation. It's a piece of jewellery. 
And by the way, he's not on the cross anymore. Why don't you put a stone? It's true. So the revelation that once saved, healed and delivered and fulfilled what it said has now locked up in a system. Does it make sense? And the dark ages became the system or the time frame in where the doctrine was polluted, contaminated stories were, were told, gathering doctrine taught, religious indulgences were sold so you could get favours and blessing. If you paid the priest to do such and such a thing, he would then pray and, and expect God to give you a final blessing, get you out the mess you're in. All that was a result of a flawed system. And uh, that system is still on the ground today, by the way. Many of you know what I'm saying. And I'm not giving you revelation there. I'm just giving you information. That's not revelation, what I've just said. Is it? It's just information. That's called history. But we need a progressive revelation so that system doesn't live in us. Because that system's still alive. A religious system is still alive. Today, it's not no longer just in the Catholics. It's in the Pentecostals. It's in the Charismatics. It's in the Methodists. It's in the Presbyterian. It's in the Baptist. It's in everyone and everything. That's why we must recognize by revelation what's a system. Don't ever think you're not in a system. You create your own system. So easy to do. So, you know, if we take the first, if we take the church from the, the first, uh, when it first arose, you take it from the crucifixion of Christ, let's just say, take it from that point. We saw in the 1400s, the Catholic Church came. We've just said that. But then in the 1500s, there was a new revelation that took place, and it was called the Protestant Reformation. So what we're saying now is, men realize it, Catholics, bad boys. There's now revelation that the just shall live by faith. Now, the problem is with, with reformationalism is this, is that they got the truth, but they never got the practice. Reformation never perfected the practice. They got the truth. Luther had truth, but he didn't always have the practice. So think of that word, principle and practice. Revelation must lead us to a practice, not to a principle. That's so key. Then in the 1500s, we had the, sorry, we had the Protestant Reformation. Anything that came away from the Catholic Church is classed as a Reformation. We're still in the Reformation. Why? Because we're restoring the truth. We're going back to the way the church started. The way God started it, he now wants it. So we, the Reformation now, this revelation must lead us to the fullness of where he started it. These boys started with the fullness. So we need to go back to where they're. This is why when we're reading history and you're studying Bible college, everybody wants to take you back to church history, dark age. I want to go back to the apostles. That's where it started. I want a revelation from the source itself, not from the dark ages, not from certain men who did great things. Fantastic. But I want to go, I don't need him to tell me that. I need him. The guy who said that which we've seen, that which we've heard, that which we've touched, I want to go back to that dude. Thank God for all the guys 
the, you know, the reformers. But I want to go back to the God of the apostles. That's where revelation comes from. I don't get it from reading my uh, commentary. I get, it reading, I get it from connecting with the Holy Ghost. Revelation. Now I can understand history by reading it. And it's not wrong to read it. I do read it. I enjoy it. But I don't get my revelation. I get understanding. But I don't get revelation. I, great, great understanding what happened. But I'm moving forward. Now the historians will kill me. Because I've just stood on their system and their baby. They want me to know what they know. But the Father wants you to know what the Son is saying. And what the Father is speaking. So, from the Protestant, then in the 1600s, the evangelical movement started. So now we've gone from the God of the Bible, to the Roman Catholic, to the Reformation, now to the evangelicals. The evangelicals now decided that what came out of the Reformation, let's find the fundamental beliefs. Let's, let's agree, these are the fundamentals of Scripture. So everybody who considered themselves an evangelical jumped in and went, that's it. And evangelicalism was birthed from that day. Okay? So it was a revelation that came progressively. Okay? So then we found from there, the holiness movement came. People like Wesley began to, breathe, to believe in the power of holiness, purity, yeah, sanctification, purification, regeneration, justification, vacation. No, not vacation. All those things all began, you must live. Now, we know that became legalism. Ladies couldn't wear lipstick. Ladies couldn't speak in church. We had to wear a hat. We know out of that revelation eventually came legalism. Now, what happens is when a revelation starts becoming progressive, rules are made to keep you in the system. So every revelation became a system in its own right. Because people didn't progress. That's why you go around our nation, you've still got holiness. You've still got reformers. You've still got... Evangel uh, evangelicals, you've still got people who captured something but decided to stay in it. It's not even theirs. Five and six, seven, eight, nine, ten generations. It was their revelation, but you, oh, I'm an evangelical. Oh, I'm a Presbyterian. Why? Because my great, 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 great grandmother was. What about your revelation? You can't live on the revelation of your grandmother. Who do people say that I am? You are a son of the living God. Peter. Peter decided to progress on his revelation of what the Father was revealing to him. So from the holiness movement, then in the 1800s, we had the faith movement. Faith movement. And then from the faith movement, then we had the Pentecostal movement. Yeah? Men such as Albert Benjamin Simpson, John Alexander Dowie, men like that. Brilliant men, but then went a little bit flaky. Yeah? Woo. And then we had the charismatic movement in the 1950s, of which many of you lot all got on the back of. Not in the 1950s, because some of you weren't born. I was a 61 boy myself. All original parts. So the thing is, 
1961 for me wasn't even a charismania. It was, I didn't get into charismania until I came here. Then I thought you were all charismaniacs. Yeah? And then in the 1980s, the prophetic movement started. Kingdom started to be talked about. Advancing the kingdom. Kingdom now. Right? So we've come a long way, have we not? We've come a long way. And you, you're thinking, you know, I just went to church. I didn't know all this happened. You need a revelation. And then in the 2000s onwards, God has been emphasizing the move of the prophetic and the apostolic together. And governing church. How to take control of your environment. How to progress the kingdom. See, in the last movement we had the kingdom, but we didn't have it with the apostolic and prophetic. Now we've got the apostolic and prophetic, we've got the revelation to see what God's doing, and we also have the technologies to build what God is doing. We still haven't got to the final move, which is the move of the saints, where you start doing what the prophetic and the apostolic teach. Now, I don't know if I'll get to see that, but I'm going to push with all my heart to see that. To see it in its fullness, because if Jesus Christ is coming back for a glorious church, it don't look glorious right now. Two, we are in a constant state of progressive revelation. But some Christians say, I don't want to progress. We shall not, we shall not be moved. That's their, that's their song. But the Isaiah says this. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died... I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted. And the train of his robe filled the temple. And and above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. The two, they covered their feet. And they were flying and they were calling out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full with the glory of God. And at the sound of the voices and the doorposts and the threshold shook. And the temple was filled with smoke. Whoa! To me! I cried, I'm ruined. I've never seen anything like this. Boy, am I getting a revelation. I've never been in the spirit like this before. And now I'm seeing more than I've ever seen. Where did it start? In the spirit. For I'm a man of unclean lips. Now he's got a revelation of his own sinfulness. Yeah? And I live among a people of unclean lips. Now he's, got a, now he's got a vision, a revelation of his environment. He's seen himself. He's seen his environment. He's seen the nature within his own people. This is what revelation does. It helps you to see further than yourself. Yeah? My eyes have seen the king. Now he's fixed on the answer. Wow. I've seen myself, I've seen my nation, I've seen the condition of my own people. Then all of a sudden, my eyes are fixed on the answer. He's moved it from the problem to the answer. And then he says, the one of the setters flew to me with a live coal in his hand. And he had taken with him from the tongues from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and he said, see, see, he didn't say here, see. This has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away. And your sin atoned for. So we didn't leave him at the cross. He's now given him a revelation. He's going to give him a revelation of something beyond his immediate 
cleansing. I live among earth, so they, with it, he touched my mouth and said, see, I've touched your lips and I've taken away the guilt from, uh, taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And he's like donkey now, me, 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 I'll go. I'll go, let me go, let me go. Instantly, instantly, he's saying, you've shown me, I've seen it. Now there is revelation and desire for him to go and put right what he's just seen is wrong. Only in the church do we want, oh, give me revelation. Let me see the angel fly. Let me smell the smoke. And now he says, what about the people? I don't know, send someone else. Little donkeys, me, me, me. I'll go. Then he heard the voice of the Lord saying, who shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. He said, go and tell the people. Listen to this. This is the revelation he's going to give to people. Be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull. Close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Wow. Wow. What do we learn from there? What I'm showing you, I'm not showing everyone else. Not everybody's come on this side, Isaiah, but you've come. Why? Because I see something in you that I don't see in these people. Surely God can do nothing unless he first finds a man. Isaiah was a man. I don't even know if Isaiah realized he was ever conditioned for the, for the realm of the spirit, but God knew. God knew. And God came to him and said, Isaiah, you're my man. Go and tell these people. And then he said this. Others they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, turn and be healed. And I said, for how long, O Lord? And he answered, until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitant, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away in the land, it has utterly forsaken Wow. And though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be, la- be laid waste. But as the terebinth, it sounds like one of those computer chips that done it, a terebinth. <laughs> leave stump, sorry. But as a terebinth and an oak leave stumps when they're cut down, so the holy seed will be a stump in the land. In other words, I ain't finished with the nation. I just can't work with this generation. But all the way through that, God's word is declared. Why? Because he's deemed that his own word will never return void. Now, you and I determine whether his word can can land in our hearts. But we need revelation. Don't come this far. Don't come from evangelicalism through into Pentecostalism, into charismania to stop. We've come so far, why do we want to stop? paid the price to get this far why do you stop see if you've been saved and this was the first church i understand you've not known anything else but many of us have come through the system true we've come from different nations we've come through different systems different thoughts different opinions different 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 but guess what now it all stops 
Now it's based on who do you say he is? Who do you say he is? Will you now rise and say, Lord, I'm not happy with what I have. I want more. That's where the Father's leading us as a church. Because that's why we say, Lord, Holy Ghost, set your truth inside of me. You are the vehicle for revelation. That's, there must be a cry in the church, Holy Ghost. You're the consciousness of God deep inside me. The recreated spirit man deep within. You speak your words of truth and life and understanding. That's the revelation. He now makes it clear to you. You're the revealer of all my thoughts and all my sin. So I now understand that he's given me the Holy Ghost so I can progress. He doesn't want me to stay at one level. He wants me to progress. But do you want to progress? That is the issue. See, so the first thing you have to do is according to Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2, is this. Each and every pure revelation that is captured is something that you must record or must be recorded in your own spirit. Each revelation that you capture must be recorded in your own spirit. Not on a book, not on a piece of paper, because the Bible is not longer written on tablets of stone. It's written in men's hearts. So we don't want a recording in a book, hardback. We want to capture so we can carry. We capture so we can carry. We carry so that we can distribute, release. Amen? We don't want to capture so we can sit. We want to capture so we can carry. And with what we carry, we can then distribute. Are you that kind of vessel, church? What you know is not enough. What you've captured is not enough. It's not enough. God wants you to have more. So, in, according to Habakkuk, he said, Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. What's he want to do? Record it so someone can run with it. Okay? For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. In other words, you can take it to the bank. Though it lingers, wait for it. Why? Because it's doing its work in you. Yes? And it will certainly come and will not delay. So, the first thing you have to do, writing it down is your responsibility. So, write that down. It's my responsibility. My responsibility to write down what I've captured. Put it in your heart. Write it down, but capture it in your heart. What you catch is yours forever. What you're taught is only going to stay with you as, good, as long as your memory's good. But what you capture in your heart, your spirit will always remember what it caught. Your spirit has no problem with memory. Your brain has problem with memory, but your spirit doesn't. That's why when revelation comes, it cannot go through your brain. It's got to hit your spirit, man. You're the consciousness of God deep inside me. I recognize that word. I recognize the ping. The recreated spirit man deep within. You're the voice. That's, that voice says, that's revelation. Take it. It's for you. 
Boom, it's in there. You captured it. Boom. It's yours. So, make it plain in your heart. Number two, make it plain in your own heart. Meditate on it. Pray about it until it becomes reality. Pray about it. Meditate on it until it becomes a reality within you. Amen? I love this. As you pray and meditate, the Holy Spirit will make it clearer and clearer and clearer. So you fully understand it. That's right. God does not want to skip you things that you never get an understanding of. The Holy Ghost has been given to bring you understanding. If, the, if God wants you to know his thoughts towards you, what God would say those things and leave you confused? He wouldn't leave you confused. That's why he's given you the Holy Ghost to, to reveal what the Father is saying. But you must work with the Holy Ghost. Amen? The revelation, the revelation's given so that someone can run with it. Are you a herald? Are you that herald? Will you run with what the Holy Ghost is giving to you? Question mark. Because only you can answer that. Number four, every revelation is waiting for its moment of impact. Every revelation is waiting for its moment of impact. You know, those things that God spoke to me in those early days, I am now beginning to see the impact of them. Because I kept working with them, I kept meditating on them, I kept praying into them, I kept serving, kept doing what I was supposed to be doing. Now I'm experiencing the impact of the revelation. I'm now beginning to see doors open. Doors that we will walk through. Not I will walk through, we will walk through. Impact. Revelation must have a moment of impact. Sudden impact. Every revelation that you receive must be about God, Jesus, his Father, and his coming kingdom. It must be about those things. It's not about you. It's about him, his testimony, his spirit working in you. Amen? So, people, so many people say, How, you know, what will God use me to do? What will God use me to do? What's God's what's plan for my life? No, no, no. What's God's plan? Period. What's God's plan? Right. Once I know God's plan, God will use you. If you search for, to know God's plan, you become a candidate. Many of us want validation that he will use me. It's the wrong way. I remember many years ago, before I even knew the apostolic, I remember crying in Holy Trinity, saying, Lord, give me the hands of a builder. Give me the heart to build. And that was me cry. And guess what? God has answered that prayer. God has given me materials and resources to build. Why? Because he sees him a builder. I'm not building the church. I'm co-laboring with him. Yes? I'm not the builder. I'm a co-laborer. He tells me what to do. I do it. According to what he tells me, I'm co-laboring. I wouldn't know what to do if he didn't tell me. So I first of all need him to tell me what to do so then I can co-labor. And as I do what he's telling me to do, he just wants to breathe life. Amen? So, next one. Though you do not necessarily see it, wait for it. 
For that which has been promised will come to a point of impact. The issue is not whether the word will. The issue is can he trust you to go to the end and carry it? Can you be a good herald? Now the next one, the herald's job is to carry, feed, nurture, revelation given to you until the revelation becomes a reality in others. Carry, nurture, feed, distribute the revelation until you see the revelation becoming a reality in other people. Now, when I capture revelation, just because I capture something doesn't mean to say it's going to manifest straight away. You know that, don't you? When God put the authentic sonship in my heart, authentic sonship has not manifested. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't be thinking it's manifested. It has not manifested because we come here on a Thursday and we teach. Oh, you didn't realize that, did you? No, no. That's the practical side of seeing authentic sonship. That doesn't make your sonship authentic. That just means you attended church. What makes authentic sonship, or what makes your authentic, your sonship authentic, is the cry of sonship within you. The revelation, am I a son? How is that son meant to manifest? Can the son carry the revelation of the father? Can the son push and press on with his revelation until he sees the revelation becoming a revelation and a reality in others. Father, Jesus said to his own father, I now, thank you for the word you've given me, I've now given it to them. They are clean because of the word I've given to you, to them. The word you give to me, I now give to them. He said, now I see the cry of sonship in their hearts. But I'm not only praying for them, Father, but all those who will come to become Saved through them. Yeah? So the revelation, he's labored to give it to them. But he can see in them there's destiny. He can see these boys will carry it. That's why he chose very carefully. One of you is a devil. But the rest of you are okay. But he chose the devil to come near to him. Just to show the devil, you have no hold on me. You wouldn't have chose Judas, neither would I. But Jesus chose him just to show, I'm going to show Satan, you cannot, even even in the inner circle, you still cannot corrupt us. You're actually going to play into my purpose. But the revelation is this. He he even let the devil know the revelation. So don't worry about what the devil knows. Just concentrate on the one that it's been revealed into. That's you and me. Right? Don't worry about the devil being close. I'm not telling the devil he don't know what I know. Don't worry about him. Your focus is Christ and what Christ is being revealed, is revealing in you. So he chooses them knowing that the future is in them. And listen, when he looked at the 11, he saw you and me. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Why? Because he, he didn't just see 11. He didn't see 120. He saw the billions that would enter the kingdom. And it was him who chose where we would live, what time we would live, what revelation we would carry. 
He's decided that. So now here you are in Manchester, sunny Manchester. And God's revealing to you in sonship all these wonderful truths. What will you do with it? The onus is on you. To whom much is given? We read it last week. And even to those who don't have much, it'll be taken away. So, on this, we will finish. This revelation, Paul said, for this reason in Ephesians 3.1, for this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ, Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That this is the mystery made known to me by revelation. As I've already written briefly and in reading this, then you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. Which was not made known to men in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God, holy apostles and prophets. In other words, guys, there is stuff that you could never, ever, ever, ever receive in other generations. But now God's allowed you to be birthed in this generation, so you can. So somebody has to keep laboring to make the mystery more and more clearer. That's you and me. That's not just me. And as you labor to make the mystery more and more clearer in yourself and in others, the Holy Ghost will breathe life on it. And then everyone else begins to be infected by the same revelation. Even if the revelation is Jesus Christ died for you. That's a massive revelation. Oh my Lord. That's a life changer. That's a game changer right there. But you must carry revelation, not knowledge. Revelation. Let's stand to our feet if we can. Oh, we will. No, we can stand to our feet. So, what kind of Christian are you? A progressive evangelical. First of all, establish that revelation. Don't let people pigeonhole you. Well, I'm half saved, I'm pente saved, nearly saved, fully saved, don't know if I'm saved. You're a progressive evangelical. Don't worry about charismatic Pentecost. Don't worry about those terms. Know who you are. You are a progressive evangelical. Okay. What truth do you carry? Now, you can't all shout that out because it's different. Would you all acknowledge you carry truth? Yes. Okay. Now, let me ask you a different question. Would you all recognize that you carry progressive truth? Yes. Why? It's ongoing. But is it ongoing in you? So the issue is, if something's been revealed on a daily basis, what do you do with what's been revealed on a daily basis? Because God won't keep speaking if you can't do anything with it. So, right now, God is looking for good soil to keep sowing his word in. Amen? I'm not going to stay in the holiness movement, though I do believe in holiness. Okay? Holiness, nothing wrong with, with holiness. Keeping yourself clean and pure. Holiness, prayer, righteousness. But the system became limiting. Nothing, become, nothing wrong with becoming a man of faith. But we're not stopping at faith. Nothing wrong with becoming a Pentecostal. Someone who moved 
received the Holy, Holy Ghost. Nothing wrong with that, but we're moving beyond that. Nothing wrong with charismania. Oh, there's a lot wrong with charismania. I've got to say that there is. There's nothing wrong with the concept of charismania. The practices, definitely. But the concept, no. But we're moving beyond that. I don't just want to speak in tongues, do you? I want more. Amen? I don't just want to become prophetic. I don't just want to be able to see things. I want to be able to see things being built on the ground. I want to see things established. Amen? I don't just want to preach in conferences. I want to raise sons and daughters. Don't give me a platform if I can't build with them. So we want to see more. We want more. So raise our holy hands if we will. Now, let's go back to the song we sang. Holy Ghost. Breathe your word to do its work inside of me. Holy Ghost. Set your truth inside of me. Come on, pray these things. Begin to pray them right now. Only the Holy Ghost knows now whether you're genuine, sincere, or you're just casually interested. Let the Holy Ghost discern your own heart. The one who's deep within inside you, he should start leaping if you're sincere. Turn this revelation into reality, Holy Ghost. Oh my God, turn your revelation into reality. I don't just want to become a noise. I don't want to become a sound. I want to become a reality. I want to become an expression. Oh, a manifestation of the kingdom of heaven. Oh, mighty God. Oh, mighty God. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Set your truth inside of me. Inside this church. Inside every person, oh God, right now in the children, oh God, set the Holy Ghost truth, revelation into the hearts of our children. Oh, Father, right now, into the heart of every baby, into the heart of every child, into the heart of every youth, into the heart of every senior. Father, in this house, Lord, set, let this house be a, a, a birthing place, oh God, for revelation. Oh, my God, let this revelation rise up like a well. Let it gush out. Let there be a, an explosion of water, Father. Let the river begin to flow. Let it begin to flow from the, from the church into the streets, into the nation, into the nations. Oh, mighty God. We seek you, oh God. We seek you in your temple. We seek the revelation of the Father. We seek the revelation of the Son. We seek the revelation of the Holy Ghost. We want this revelation, oh God. We want this revelation. Oh, mighty God, mighty God, mighty God. We want this revelation, Lord. Oh, mighty God. Oh, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Oh, Father, and the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Well, the Lord bless you.